on this upcoming Attractions episode, we're talking Space Force, plus the new trailer for Extraction. Also, reviews for Escape at Danamara and Coffee and Karim, plus the MDF game. All this and more on this upcoming Attractions episode of Midnight Double Feature. Matthew, 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 welcome back to another episode of Upcoming Attractions. Stop trying to make that a t-shirt, it's not going to happen. It's it's already a t-shirt and I'm wearing it. <laughs> How you doing, dude? What's happening? I'm okay, I'm okay. How are you? Oh, I'm good, dude. You guys, uh, if you don't know, we are scraping the bottom of the barrel. Escape at Danamora and Coffee and Kareem. Those are the big yeah. reviews today. So, <laughs> um, strap in. Are they both Netflix projects? Coffee and Cream is a Netflix project, and uh, Escape at Danamora is not. Uh, that is that aired on on Showtime. Like that is an actual. Oh, network. that is definitely scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fucking uh, Showtime. <laughs> but look, let's uh, let's dive right into it, guys. Thank you so much for joining us here at Midnight Double Feature. Like I said, this is an upcoming attractions episode. We're going to be going through the latest news, trailers. We're going to be going through a couple of things that we've seen, and then we're going to be playing what's called the MDF game, where we ask you a question uh, on our social media uh, in our after party, which is our Facebook group. Uh, basically, we just pose a question there. We ask the community to chime in. We post a little poll, uh, get a little vote, get a little community sense as to what uh, everyone's feeling. Uh, this, this week's question is a bit of a doozy. It's, what is your favorite film scene of all time? That was intentionally vague and intentionally... I wanted to make it as wide as possible to see what, what we'd get. And uh, we got some pretty good ones. We, we, we're going to be revealing those soon. Uh, so please, if you'd like to get involved in that, that's the After Party. That's our Facebook group. We're also on t- uh, Twitter, which is at MDF Pod, and we're on Instagram, which is at Midnight Double Feature. And we currently still have a little bit of a competition going at the moment, where if you rate and review us on iTunes, screenshot that review and send it to midnightdoublefeature at gmail.com, you can go in the running to win your very own feature presentation episode. And what that means is Colin and I, and either Danny or Matt or both, doesn't you know it might even just be main main calling you don't have a say in that by the way uh, <laughs> you don't get Way to, to sell it <laughs> yeah you don't get to choose so you know what you're stuck with one of us or both the two of us at least um but yeah if you if you send that that review and your pick then we'll cover your movie and those are very lengthy you know those are two to three hours long sometimes they're even longer than three hours it's just you know colin and i usually riffing on a weekend uh, about a particular movie and uh yeah if you'd like to hear your movie covered then feel free to rate and review us on itunes and send it to midnight double feature at gmail.com matthew what is our first topic this week um, our first topic this week is not a common occurrence. I want to rant about something positively, which I nev- I don't do much. I really want to talk about um, these photos released for Space Force, the uh, the new comedy show coming to Netflix. Um, how 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 aware how much how aware are you of this uh, project? Uh, I know quite a bit about this show. Uh, like I'm, I'm actually. I think you're coming into this a little, a little late, based on I, your. I've known about it for a while, <laughs> but I'm gonna be honest. Like when I first heard about it, I was like, "This is fucking dumb." And then these photos came out, and like, this is the most hyped I've been for a comedy TV show in a long time. <laughs> yeah, talk to me. Tell me why. All right. So, like, 
from the looks of things here, okay, so for those who aren't familiar, it's a slight riff on the Space Force established in real life by Trump. And um, this is their comedic take on whatever that is, because even most people today still don't know what that is. And um, I can really see in these images where they're going to take this. And I'm just looking at it like, this is genius. Plus, because I'm seeing a, I'm seeing an amazing cast where everyone's sort of staying in their lane of the type of character they are known for playing so well. And let's just go through, let's just go through this, man. I just want to talk to it uh, probably person by person. And then um, let's just bounce off each other like that. Also, we should say it's co-created by Steve Carell and the officers, Craig, da- uh, Greg Daniels. So already people known for comedy. Um, will this be done in the style of the office? I'm guessing not, but either way about the format, I don't care. It's still comedy. Um, okay. So first of all, we've got Steve Carell. Um, who we all know and love. And from the vibe of this, man, I'm getting like he's going to be really tapping into um, uh, his character from The Office. Was it Michael? What's his last name again? Don't you fucking do this to me. I, I, I what, can't. I will not. Uh, you know what? I'm done. Fuck this episode. See you later. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out, ladies um, and gentlemen. Michael. Michael. Dude, Michael it Scott. <laughs> that's it. I was gonna say scan because that's the con- <laughs> but, <laughs> Just don't, that, uh, okay. but that happens. That happens in the office. Right? That is still Midnight a Double Feature is hiring for another co-host. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like with the the genius of Michael Scott, that's it. Sorry, it's been a long day. Um, the genius of that character in the office was, you know, he's um, he really he wants p- as much of a jokester as he is. He is often trying to like be the best and trying to be respected and no one ever takes him seriously. And like, that's, uh, that's one of the many sources of his like outbursts and, and, and stuff. And with a lot of these photos, you can already see that coming out. And I'm guessing this is the direction the show is going to go. Like nobody takes space force seriously as a branch of the government. Um, and there's just, there's multiple photos here where he just looks like really unimpressed. And I'm like, oh my god, we're gonna get some Michael Scott flavor coming back. Um, and if this is like, if that's the direction of like the 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 engine of this show, like I'm just double on board, man. That's. But all right, here's something I gotta yeah. say about uh, about Steve Carell's character. He is playing a general, so he's not right. going to be playing like you know the dumbass that Michael Scott is. You know, so he's earned his position, and they comedically touch on that with. Um, he has got way too many like badges of honor on his jacket, <laughs> um, which I think is kind of funny. So yeah, so he's a general. You're saying, right? Yeah, he's a general. Um, let, let's let's move on. Uh, sl- like let's let's speed this up a little. John yeah. Markovich and Ben Schwartz. So I know you want to jo- talk about Ben Schwartz? Oh man, well, jo- well um, Ben Schwartz really ties into this because he's been like the goofball in all these photos. But obviously, it looks like he's touching on his uh, like the Jean Ralphio vibe that we love from Parks and Rec. I love him and everything he does. It's amazing. And a lot of these, like, there's this one photo here where he's like, he's got a phone and he's sort of like looking like, kind of like, ah, ah. And well, like, we've got um, Steve Carell, like, ah. So you can, you can get a scene together with those sounds. Ah, 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 ah. And uh, John Malkovich. <laughs> this is heavy analysis. <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, we got it there. Um, you know what, though? I think some people out there are like, oh, yeah, I get what he's saying. <laughs> um, John Malkovich, though, I will admit, is the curveball for me. Um, is he not? Has he done much comedy in the past? Well, I mean, he's a, he's a comedic actor, isn't he? I mean, Parks and Rec. Um, is he? In, I don't recognize him from it. Dude, who are you talking about? 
Uh, no, not not Ben Schwartz. Um, John Malkovich. Oh, 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 John Malkovich. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's 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 done his fair share of comedies, dude. Um, I mean, like uh, he's 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 the funniest. Okay, so he's not really in comedies, but he is the funniest parts of the movies that he's in. Like, let's say, <laughs> okay, let's, I get let's, you. Yeah, like okay, for some reason, the only movie that's coming to my head is Red with Bruce Willis and Helen Mirren and Morgan Freeman, and he was the best part in that movie. Um, right. You know, you, you you can you can pick out as many John Malkovich movies as you want. Um, I mean, he was in, in the god awful Transformers movie as well. So, uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, like he's and, he's definitely got chops for sure. Yeah, I'm getting the vibe. He's like a, some sort of authority figure or some sort of scientist. Um, do you know if there's any information about his character out that you know? He's about? playing a scientist. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, speaking of scientists, uh, we have Jimmy O Yang also um, in a in a white coat. Um, he's he's. I love him. He's great in Silicon Valley. He's also a great stamp comedian. Um, we saw him in um, uh, what's uh, the Boston the Boston bombing movie uh, Patriots Day? Is it Patriots yeah, Day? Patriots Day. Yeah, yeah. Patriots Day. Um, I'm 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 low key hoping he doesn't do an accent in this because he has in the past and he's been stereotyped. But you know, either way, he'll be hilarious. He's he's real funny. Um, then of course we've got. Probably the next big one is Lisa Kudrow, Phoebe from Friends. Um, and I've got... Do, do you know if they've announced anything about her character? Because I haven't read anything, but I've got a theory. Uh, no, I don't... Dude, I, honestly, I have not been following this as hard as I should be, so... I'm I'm guessing she I'm getting a major Hillary Cr- Hillary Clinton vibe from her. No, she's the not blue playing dress. Hillary. She's she's playing someone named Maggie. No, it, it, it'd be a it'd be a made up character. Oh, but like, okay. I'm wondering if she's like a politician or I'm not gonna say president, but you never know. I'm guessing she's some sort of authority figure as well. But come on, it's uh it's great to see her in a lead role in a like a sitcom style comedy. Yeah, again. for sure. I, like I, I know I've seen her do like guest spots in a lot of comedies and stuff. I, um, I, like, I don't want to go it. past um, Noah Emmerich. Noah Emmerich is a pretty big actor as well. He's from Super 8. He's from uh, The Americans, yes. a TV show as well. Uh, he's he's always a good presence, dude. I love that guy. Mm. Um, and then is there anyone else left? or is that Yeah, it? dude, I'm surprised you didn't mention this one. Uh, <laughs> from How Did This Get Made? Jessica St. Clair. Oh. oh, right. Yes. Hilarious. Amazing. Love her. What else is there to say? She's a bit loud. <laughs> she, she's a bit loud for my taste. Like I'm just like, oh god, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, man. I'm just like, she, she's, she's like the female Manzukas. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I know what you mean, but I'm a loud person as well, so I'm, I'm often drawn to those personalities. Yeah, um, yeah you and I are like polar opposites. I think <laughs> we, we can be at times. Um, <laughs> That 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 is a there's there's a lot of truth to that statement. I uh, I just want to go okay. I, I want to give a little bit of a speculation here. I don't want to spend too much time on this as well. But this um, the first season is only ten episodes, which kind of leads me to think that uh, a they're spending a lot of money on this, and therefore they can only afford ten episodes. Mm. Or b this is not this is going to be a little dramatic as well. Like there's going to be some drama in it too. So, I mean, like, it's not like The Office that has 22 episodes or, you know, 15 episodes or something like that. It's 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 just a straight up 10 episode thing, um, which makes me question the runtime of each episode. If it's going to be like a 20 minute episode like The Office, then 10 episodes is just not going to cut it for me. I'm just like, dude, I need more of this, mm. like, you know. Um, so what do you think about that? I think that's an interesting point. Um, the fact that it's airing on Netflix 
means so much of what we can safely speculate goes out the window because Netflix, like, they don't follow the rules of standard broadcast. But usually when you see a 10 episode or something around that thing on Netflix, you're usually looking at um, hour-long um, shows. Right, right. Look at hour-long shows. You are looking at more of those interweaving stuff. But when I look at these colors and this vibe, it looks like a half-hour comedy to me. Um this is just based off some still images and almost no information. Yeah, we haven't so seen a trailer I, or anything, so maybe we, like, let's just hold off for a bit before we get the tone and vibe of it all. Yeah, um, but but I'm I'm assuming it's a half hour comedy, and I think you could be right. Um, there's a lot of names in here, like you know Ben Schwartz was literally just Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, I imagine John Malkovich is not cheap to come by too, and. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if Lisa Kudrow is not a main character. I have a feeling she could be like a reoccurring character. No, she's uh, like, she's billed as recurring. She's not a main oh, she, character. Yeah. Right, yeah, that makes sense then, yeah. She was the same with um, Bojack Horseman, um, which was also a Netflix project. I've noticed a lot of Netflix-funded shows often use the same actors. I wonder if that happens in their contracts or something. I don't know. Mm, I'm um, not sure. I don't want to go past uh, one of the writers of episode nine. He's the sole writer, Paul Lieberstein. If you remember that name, he plays Toby from The Office. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. It's pretty cool. Um, I, 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 he's, he's a very talented writer, I think. Yeah. I, look, normally on Midnight Double Feature, we don't cover casting. We are sort of scraping a little bit because of the um, current situation. But what I want to say also is usually when you see like a sitcom or a comedy show, uh, it's the way they usually do casting is it's, it's usually a vehicle for one big comedic actor and the rest are like unknowns or upcoming um, stuff. That's usually the case. Um, this is like the first one I've seen in a while where it's like, oh, I recognize almost everyone in this. Um, yeah, I, almost everyone here. So that's like pretty like cool. And just by these photos, it looks like a lot of them are playing very familiar type roles. And I think that's just like really exciting. So that's why I wanted to cover that. And um, thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> and I can't uh, wait for a trailer. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm keen as well. Um, let's let's move on to the next item of discussion. Uh, we have a trailer for a movie called Extraction, starring Chris Hemsworth and produced by Joe and Anthony Russo. Um, real real quick, here's my take on it: snooze, total snooze. Um, yeah, I think for me, I'm getting. Um, 21 Bridges vibes, which is like well-made B-movie. Forgettable you know? action film is the way I would have Forgettable action film, but well done for a forgettable action film. Like I wouldn't call it Angel is Fallen Level or Mile 22. Um, it's, it's like a Sunday night at the movies type thing. You know, I don't expect it to be amazing. I... Look, it looks up my alley. I think the action looks like it's well-directed from what I can see, but the trailer doesn't have a lot of that. Um, yeah, like, don't expect this to change the industry or anything crazy like that. But you know what? A lot of Chris Hemsworth's projects outside of Thor haven't really grabbed my attention. Um, this one has made me... I'm not going to say it grabbed my attention, but it, like, nudged my attention <laughs> <laughs> okay. If that even makes any sense, it was like, oh, okay, it comes to Netflix. I guess I'll watch it. Cool. Well, I mean, okay, look, here's my, here's my thing. It's a first-time director, Sam Hargrave, first-time director. But here's what I love about the Russo brothers: they're giving this guy Sam Hargrave a shot at directing because Sam Hargrave was the stunt coordinator on most of the Marvel movies. 
uh, from Endgame, Infinity War, Ragnarok, um, even Atomic Blonde, uh, Suicide Squad, right? Dipping waters into DC there. Civil War. Um, and then it just keeps going through even like the Wolverine and stuff. Like he's he's a big time stunt guy. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, if the action scenes are well staged and stuff like that. But it's always interesting to see how a first-time director handles their first movie, especially an action movie like this, which might be decently budgeted. I'm guessing it's somewhere to 30, 45 million mark. Um, like, it's not like it's a $10 million indie movie or anything like that. But, yeah, and Chris Hemsworth makes, like, some really weird choices sometimes. Like, okay, look, this isn't a weird choice, but he was in a movie called Black Hat. Black Hat, sorry. Mm. And Black Hat is directed by Michael Mann, who was a fucking legend, right? He directed Collateral and Heat. Um, so, you know, if you're if you're wanting to sign up to a movie, <laughs> it's probably best to be, you know, it's probably best to sign up to a movie directed by Michael Mann. But that one, that that movie is regarded as Michael Mann's biggest flop. Like that is not a good movie. Um, it's it's barely coherent. Um, and, and then you know, Chris Hemsworth. I don't know. Like I I I don't know really. I don't really know what, where he's going with his kind of career. Like, you know, sometimes he dips his toes into comedy. Sometimes he dips into action territory. And even, like, sometimes it's sci-fi with Men in Black and stuff. But I don't, I don't... I haven't really got a... I feel like Hollywood hasn't really figured out how to use him yet beyond Thor. I'm glad you mentioned this because I was just about to say... Um, I was just thinking... Um, I think writers might have trouble writing for him. Or it's hard to find scripts that appeal to his all his talents in one. Because, like, we know he can do comedy really well. Um, and he looks like an action star. So it makes sense to put him in, a like, an action comedy. But I think the only other action comedy outside of Thor I can think of is the god-awful Men in Black International. Outside of that, he's either done really serious sort of action drama or he's done straight-up comedy. And he does good in the straight-up comedy, but he's never a lead role. He's always like a surprise cameo or something. And he'll or he'll have a supporting part. Um, but in action, it's like it's just this really over-the-top serious... I think it's like his second military film, I think, he's done. And like those are never going to like blow people away, you know? It's like it's like Jared Butler. So it's a role you'd expect Jared Butler to take, you know? Um, so I think like, I mean, sometimes they work, right? Like I I really enjoyed 13 hours, um, which is the Michael Bay military thriller. Mm. Um, you know, I, I kind of have an affinity for military thrillers as well. Like, you know, Lone Survivor with Mark Wahlberg and stuff like that. So if they're done well, um, if they're written well, if they're directed well, if they're shot well, um, you know, it it has the potential to be engaging, but I didn't really get that from this trailer. Nah, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, for sure. I think like he should be. He should be like taking the scraps from Dwayne Johnson. Like, you know, he, like, the type of roles that Dwayne Johnson takes are the type of roles he should do. Because not only can he do comedy and look action, like do action well, but I think Chris Hemsworth has a chance of being more relatable um, as well. Like, I think he has that in him. So I really wish I could see him doing those type of projects. But I think he also, like, he's the type of actor who wants to do stuff that he thinks is personally cool. Like he's, I don't think he's chasing the money for a lot of these projects. I think he goes, oh, fuck yeah. That sounds cool. You know? Yeah. Um, I don't know for sure. He's not my BFF. I wish he was, but he doesn't reply to my texts. So <laughs> I can't tell you personally. <laughs> Honestly, man, like if he, he doesn't need a movie career, you know, if he looks the way he does, he doesn't need a fucking movie career, dude. He's got life fucking set, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. All right, man. Oh man. 
That's so uh, that's extraction. Uh, are we are we saying this? We're saying this, right? We're, we're, yeah, we're saying I, it. I, yeah. it's on Netflix. I'd be I'd be dumb not to watch it. Like unless I don't know what else is on Netflix. Yeah, what else is there to do? Uh, but all right, man. Let's let's get into our reviews of the episode. Uh, I'm gonna kick it off with Escape at Danamora. So you're a 51 year old woman who's been with the same man for 20 years, 21 years. So we can have an adult conversation. Okay. Did you have sex with these two inmates? No. I just figured you're friends with my friend. That makes us friends. What's going on with you and Tilly? Maybe we can arrange a get-together soon. I'm down there every night. I'm cutting the piping. I'm doing the work. And all you do is sleep. Nobody knows about a marriage, except the people in the marriage, and sometimes even they don't know. So you want to be part of my dream? Yes. Say it. I want to be a part of your dream. Uh, escape of Danamora is a prison drama. Uh, it's a prison escape uh, series. It's a mini series. It's seven episodes long. Uh, it aired on Showtime, I believe, last year. Uh, started last year. And here's the fascinating thing. All seven episodes are directed by Ben Stiller. The show was created by Ben Stiller. Oh, that show. Okay, yeah. now I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, Um, And it's based on a true story about two um, two convicts who successfully escaped from Danamora Prison. Um, and the casting in this is absolutely insane. Uh, it's um, Benicio Del Toro. Uh, who plays, god damn, let me get the name up here, Richard Matt, real-life prisoner Richard Matt, Patricia Arquette, who played Tilly Mitchell, and Paul Dano, who played David Sweat. Um, and then, you know, the supporting cast is rounded out by Bonnie Hunt and David Morse. Um, dude, this show is astounding. Like, it is it is absolutely incredible what Ben Stiller was able to pull off here. This is seven hours worth of uh, content. And yeah. I, I started and finished it this weekend, dude. It is gripping from start to finish. Uh, Benicio Del Toro and Paul Dano are fantastic, but I think the real MVP here is Patricia Arquette, who put on so much weight to play this actress, uh, to play this person. Um, like she's absolutely unrecognizable. It's it's actually it's actually insane. Um, and you know, like these are very unlikable characters. The you know Richard Matt, Tilly Mitchell, and David Sweat. They are not likable people. But the show does a good job of equalizing who you're supposed to feel sorry for and who you're not really supposed to feel sorry for. Because by mm. the end of this, I mean, look, here's a here's a here's a spoiler, right? Um, guys, spoiler alert! If you're planning on watching this. Uh, you know, all of our reviews are spoiler alerts. Uh, you know, if you've heard the sound clip, then you know spoilers are coming. Matt, are you going to watch this? Because I'm going to basically ruin this for you. Spoil it anyway. Spoil it anyways. All right. Well, this is, I mean, you know, you can find this pretty easily uh, because it's a public, it's pretty public. Um, so in real life and in the show, uh, the guys managed to escape uh, with with the help of pa- Patricia Arquette's character, Tilly Mitchell. Um, and they end up spending a few weeks uh, on the run. They end up in the mountain region in the forest. Um, and Richard Matt ends up uh, ends up uh, killed by the police. He just 
yeah, he, he goes out on a high note. <laughs> and uh, David Sweat ends up being recaptured. Um, but the way the way it's done and the way it's told, it sounds very simple, but it's actually it's actually really interesting to see how these two prisoners were able to manipulate this um, this person who worked at the prison in order to achieve their ends. Um, and then it's also really interesting to see the interplay between Richard Matt and David Sweat as they, you know, make their getaway and they start to, you know, their, their trust starts to break down. They're, they're like, okay, in the prison, we trust each other to get out, but here in the wild, it's dog eat dog. And it's just, it's just engrossing to watch and it's just absolutely fascinating. And I, I couldn't recommend it any higher, man. This is, this is one of the best miniseries I've ever seen. <laughs> um, and it's definitely not going to get a second season because it's obviously based on a true story. Um, and that story is over. So yeah, Escape of Danamora, um, probably give it, you know, it is it is a little slow. So I'm not going to give it 10 out of 10. It, it is a slow burn. If you're not into shows that take their time, if you're not into shows that, um, I guess, uh, you know, there's no there's no shootouts, you know what I mean? Like there's no, there's no crazy foot chases, there's no car chases or anything like that. It's just three main central characters and the interplay between each of these characters and the manipulation that happens between the two prisoners and the one civilian, that that's what you're there for, you know? Um, yeah, this is a nine nine and a half out of ten. Pretty close to perfect, man. Ben Stiller did an absolutely fantastic job with this show. Awesome. Cool. Um, I'll have to check that one out. That sounds uh sounds like a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is awesome. it is it is a lot and it's heavy. Um, but I mean, like I said, seven episodes, pretty easy to bang out. Fuck yeah. All right. Well, on that note, um, let's keep this train moving. Um, I saw Coffee and Cream, which is right now on Netflix. Let's check it out. Woo. <laughs> you didn't sound too excited. Just <laughs> Kareem needs to go by a friend's house after school. And he asked that you pick him up. When my mom dated this one guy, we became BFFs. You were BFFs with a grown-ass man? There's literally documentaries on Netflix about why that's so sick and fucked up. I think that's a difference. You expect us to be BFFs? Fuck out of my face, man. Uh, good talk. So, Coffee and Kareem, um, I'll just come out and say this. Uh, if you look at the reviews on this film, it's not doing too well. Um, it's, uh, I can't remember what it was in Rotten Tomatoes, but it's pretty fucking low. Uh, but I want to say this. I don't think it's that bad. I think it's actually, I legitimately enjoyed the film. Um, it's not the funniest movie I've ever seen. It's not going to change your fucking life, but I legitimately enjoyed it. So I was really surprised when I heard uh, it was getting really negative reviews. Um, basically, uh, it's, Clearly low budget, but starring um starring Ed Helms, um kind of typically doing his awkward shtick that he normally does, and he's a cop who's uh too scared to stand up for himself or you know be aggressive or anything, and he's partnered with his girlfriend's um I think it's twelve year old son named Kareem, and uh, together they've got some uh some gangsters out to kill them, and they have to like save the day and they have to figure out the uh, which which cop is dirty? You know that storyline. It's been done it a million garbage. times. Sounds garbage. I'm sorry. It sounds. It's, this, this sounds like something that I've seen 800 million times before. Well, it is. It is. It's a very typical buddy cop, um, generic. That you can tell the screenwriters aren't trying to do anything new or revolutionary, right? And so you have to. I think even when you just look at the poster, you know that already. So you go in 
knowing they're not going to try and do anything new. So the film, a film like this lives and dies on its laughs. If you come here, if you come to see a movie like this for the plot, you're not watching the movie correctly. That's that's what I think, right? You got to judge a film based on like what it's trying to do and does it do that effectively, you know? I don't think it's fair to judge um, a Quentin Tarantino movie by the same standards you would judge um, some fucking shitty movie that's like an indie feature, you know, or something. So like I try and judge this movie based on I'm not expecting the plot to surprise me or be good, right? So I'm just like, you're a comedy movie, make me laugh. And a lot of the jokes land. It's not perfect though. Um, <laughs> definitely. I think they, they reuse a lot of like gay jokes, which feel like they're a bit five years ago, 10 years ago. And I think every now and then there are some good ones that make me laugh, but they kind of keep going back to the same well. And it's like, guys, move on. Right. Um, and so that's a bit, you know, there, um, the plot's very generic and all that, but what saves this film and what I really like is this movie has some strong performances. Uh, this kid is funny as shit. Uh, I want to credit, I want to credit him credit. Um, Terrence little garden high. Um, he is funny as hell. Um, but the MVP of this, of this is, um, what's her name? Her name is Betty Gilpin, who we recently saw in another bad film, the grudge. Um, she also stars in the hunt. Um, but, she, towards the end, is a scene stealer. Um, m- maybe not just for like comedy chops, but just her presence is really great. And a another actress, again in the third act, and I'm going to get into this. Um, her name is, I think it's Taj P. Henson. Um, who plays like the- Taraji, sorry, P. Henson. She plays like the white, uh, the girlfriend. Um, she fucking crushes in the third act. Like really the- the, the those two women they really in the third act really just take over and that's that's my biggest problem with the film actually in the third act the main character um coffee um i forget his first name but his last name's coffee uh by ed helms he actually starts taking a backseat to the plot and that's really the character that should be coming most forward um now sure he's coming back because other characters are being really funny but they also start taking up all the screen time. And I think while individually as a scene, it's funny, it's great to watch, but as a as a narrative whole, it kind of ends up denting and not being in favor for the film. Um, but yeah, overall, uh, if you want something to chuckle at um, when you've got nothing better to do, Coffin Kareem, it's a good laugh. I give it like a, I'm going to give it like a six and a half out of 10. Um just because mostly it's got some pretty strong, like some pretty charismatic, I should say, maybe not strong, but charismatic performances by most of the main cast, which I really was surprised by. Um, definitely not as bad as a lot of other reviewers making out to be, in my opinion, but, um, you know, it's still not great. Yeah, I, um, I'm not, I'm not, I, I think you 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 just have a higher tolerance for this stuff. <laughs> um, like I'm not saying that your taste is like you know any different to any anyone else's. Like you know, but you know, uh, like I know you kind of like the um, the the low key sort of like buddy cop uh, films, right? Uh, yeah, I'm partial to it. I'd yeah. say yeah. Yeah, I think I'm 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 a big champion for comedy. I think I really like comedy stuff in particular. Um. So, but I don't know, I, I, I don't know. Like yeah. I do have, I, I am definitely more tolerant 
of um, shitty films than you are. <laughs> like I, I can, I can find the, I can find the, the, the pros um, when I can find the, I can find the bright side to things. I think a bit easier than you can sometimes. So I'm not as critical sometimes, but um, yeah. I mean, like for yeah. me, for me, it's just like you know, if you're not, if it's not engaging to me, then I'm just gonna like see you later. You know, just. Uh, I'm not. I've given you the time, and, and clearly my time has not been rewarded. So I don't, I don't know. But anyway, man, I, and that's that's fair, man. Like I, I would yeah. say, with like any film, right? If you and and it's the my biggest problem with a lot of films, I would say, like probably the biggest sin is to not keep your plot moving forward. If you pause your film to fucking explain some bullshit or. I don't know. If your plot's not moving forward, that's like my number one sin, I think. Because when I know films that do that, like all of a sudden it's like, why the fuck am I here? Like, See, you this, better, is, if you're this ho- is funny if- actually that you're saying this because I uh, see you're you're more of a pl- you're more of a plot person. I th- I think I'm a bit more of a character person. Um, yeah, like, that's like, fair. Like you know, I I'm fine with whatever plot you give me. Just make the characters interesting and fun to watch. Um, or you know, like. Okay, let's take Escape from Escape at Danamora, for example, right? Not not the greatest plot. It's I mean, you know, like let's just, you know, remove it from the fact that it is based in real life. You know, not the greatest plot, right? It's a escape it's a prison escape, you know, series. But the characters are the interesting ones and they're the ones that, that make you come back to this show after seven episodes. Um mm. Whereas if it was the other way around, if it was like kind of boring characters trying to get out of a prison, oh sorry, it's like, you know, boring characters uh doing something like the the plot is actually exciting or interesting, then I just you know I, I wouldn't be able to engage with it. For for me, like um, I can be like that, but I think it varies from like what it is a lot of the time. Like obviously with the TV show, it's okay to slow it down every now and then. Like you got to get me to like the characters or at least understand them. Uh, like for example, like if a comedy film isn't being funny, like you failed, right? If you especially if you pause your plot to do a, yeah, a joke. And same with the fun, horror film. Funny is like, like, the, like that's the biggest def- right? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. But like for example, one of the biggest offenders from recent history that we a movie we both hated was The Nun, right? And one of my big problems was that is like the whole middle section was like a like a nightmare or a dream and it went for like multiple scenes. It like for twenty minutes, like, okay, none of this was scary and none of it advanced the plot what the fuck have I been doing here for 20 minutes? I watched a 20 minute long deleted scene, you know? Yeah. Um, like that, that's often a big, a big problem for me. Or, you know, if I just don't like a character, that's a, uh, that's, and, that, and that's why I was so nice to this film yeah. because I liked the performances of the actors. I found them charismatic enough to maintain my attention. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair enough. I, I think, I think yeah. comedy is like the hardest, obviously to pull off, but I mean, like here's an example, really recent example. Um, I just tried showing Jojo Rabbit to my my dad and my brother, and it did oh, not yeah? it did not go over well in my house. Like really, they, yeah. I, I mean, I think you kind of need to be dialed into that kind of sense of humor. Like you know, you kind of need to mm. be okay. Well, because f- firstly, they're going in with the <laughs> with the assumption that this is going to be a, a war movie, right? Like, I mean, this oh, is going to be about okay. Hitler, blah, yeah. blah. So, you know, I was like, no, you need to get, you need to just, just come in with a clean slate, blah, blah. It is obviously set in, you know, 1940s Germany, but that's not really what this is about. That's not the kind of movie. Um, and like my brother's mm. like, oh, I've seen this over a, th- a thousand times, blah, blah. So I, I don't know. I think, I think there's certain comedians and certain writers that, 
that appeal to different people. Like I obviously love Jojo Rabbit, and my friend Damien saw Jojo Rabbit the same weekend as my brother and my dad did, and they loved it. So, you know, mm. it, it, it's 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 weird. Like you know, the comedy plays to different age groups and different demographics. But yeah, and you know what? Actually, um, recently, and I won't I won't spend too long on this, but you know, we've got time. To, we've got time here. Um, I oh man, I don't know why I did this, but I I attempted. I didn't watch all of it, but I tried to. Um, the terrible uh, Holm- uh, Sherlock and Holmes. The, oh. the, the, I tried watching it. And I'm like, surely it can't be as bad as they say. Oh, it it's is. Called, it's it called is. Holmes and Watson, by the way. Holmes and Watson. <laughs> You're sorry. So bad with I, Sherlock and Holmes. I said. Uh, <laughs> that's one. Um, yeah, Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes and, and Holmes Watson. is one person. Like that's a first yeah. and last name. <laughs> yeah, I realized that. It's like, hey, we're hanging out with Matt and Vella and <laughs> and Zohar Ben Ali. Yeah. Um, but oh man, it is incredibly terrible and. Was interesting, and nothing's interesting about this movie. But I kept trying to like watch it. Like, why is this movie so bad? And I kept trying to figure it out. And like, I think a lot of it was, you know, oh, the writers aren't trying to come up with anything new or interesting. Like, they they were using jokes you've heard before a lot. But also, I think like the actors were putting in these accent right, and by doing that, you I kind of like they were losing what makes them interesting actors because they're not great at doing these accents. And I feel like that might have been part of it. Like, but, oh man, ter- terribly written. Probably the worst comedy yeah, I've seen. I, uh, I saw, so, so bad. I've heard. So I've heard. But anyway, man. It's so bad. Let's move on. Let's move on to the MDF game, right? Woo! This, this week's, like I said, was a big one. And if you want to get involved in the MDF games for the future, please join our Facebook group, The After Party. That's three words, The After Party. Um, so the question was, what is your favorite movie scene of all time? Um, and again, I left it very vague because you can kind of interpret uh, scene um, to be, I don't know, a lot of people get a mix up with sequences. Sequences are a bit longer. They're kind of like, you know, uh, half an act or something like that. But that's not really what I'm going for here. Like a scene is, a scene to us is clear, right? Like, you know what a scene is. It has a start. And an end. It usually takes place in the one location. Right, right. But like um, his, like sometimes it might be confusing. Like for example, if you have Avengers Endgame, right? I don't consider the final fight to be a scene. I've considered that a sequence. And I think throughout that scene, they break it up into different. Sorry, throughout that sequence, they break it up into different sequences. Oh, sorry, scenes. Fuck. Uh, like for example, you know, Captain Marvel fighting Thanos in that particular sequence is a scene. Like that's what I consider that. It's interesting because you could also argue that is a moment over a scene as well. Like I, I know, it, I know exactly what you mean, and I'm not disagreeing with you. Um, because I've heard different things. Like I've heard in in screenwriting, I've heard a lot of people say, "Oh, well, a scene has to be in the same location," and like that's not true. Because like, say for example, comedies like some like Family Guy, you could do a cutaway. You're telling me that's three scenes if they one scene is a cutaway to another scene. Then you can't. Then you cut back to the same scene. You're not going to tell me that's three scenes. That's one scene, um, in my opinion, yeah, as a whole. I mean, but there is, are different ways to interpret it. As well. But yeah. yeah, I think generally though, there should be a start and end, and it should be something linking them together. You know, yeah. usually the the passage of time. Yeah. I think uh, if you start saying, "Oh, I like this movie because there's like ten different moments that are separate away from each other." That's not a scene. That's just you listing reasons why I like a movie. Right. Well, Matt, you and I chose three different scenes. 
uh, and we we each we each we're each gonna go down three, two, one. Um, so hit me with your first. Oh, sorry, your third favorite scene of all time. My third favorite scene. Um, I wish I spent more time thinking about this. But you had I think a week. landed you had on a week. You do this all the time. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I sort of landed on um the car. Uh, can you call it a car chase? I'm going to call it a car chase at the end of the first Toy Story, particularly Ooh, when we I lead like up that. to the. That's nice. Yeah, particularly leading up to the moment where um, Buzz and Woody are like basically flying, and um, Strapped to Buzz the is like, you know, yeah, you know, and he, yeah, and he's like, oh, oh, we're flying, and like Woody's like, no, we're falling with style or whatever. Where it's kind of like just showing how the characters character journey and how like they i love it when a movie does a callback to a line with a new meaning where usually it's like it it ends up becoming something sincere or endearing when it used to be something negative or whatever and just shows how the characters have um really grown together throughout the whole journey and they're doing it while it's being exciting you've got adrenaline in there and like you're really rooting for those heroes um i feel like it's just like one of the perfect examples of like how to successfully like do a climax. Oh, absolutely, dude. I that that scene makes me smile all the time, dude. It never never fails. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, did you okay, so I'll go next with the third, right? Number three. My yep. third favorite scene of all time is the T Rex escape from Jurassic Park. Love it. I think uh, honestly, in terms of spectacle, in terms of uh Steven Spielberg whipping out his big special effects dick and being like, look at what we can do now. um it's it's just unrivaled but not only that just the lack of music you know the way you get the 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 claws on the cable wire and then the cable wire getting ripped off and then the the leg of the goat and then where's the goat (laughs) you know (laughs) uh the 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 lawyer bugging out to go to the toilet um just 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 alan alan and and um and ian just watching on as the as the t-rex just absolutely decimates the kid's car um, it's just an absolutely amazing uh, example of what we can do with special effects, a combination of special effects and practical effects. It's just absolutely mm. just just mind-boggling, dude. It's fantastic. Inspired a generation of filmmakers as well. I think that you could you could say that scene did that. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Pretty great. Absolutely. Give me a number two. Um, I'm going to go with the the fight between Neo and Agent Smith in the first Matrix, the nice, subway fight. Nice, nice. Um, this, this was my guess for your number one. I'm actually surprised now. Okay. All right. uh, yeah. So, so the Matrix has so many great scenes. Um, I could, I could name four scenes in that movie that could make my top five uh, easily. When, when um, we cover that as a feature presentation, I predict that episode will go for five hours long. Uh, like five hours, like, Come on, man. It's probably going to be longer than that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, look, the reason I want to um, talk about the subway fight is it's not just the spectacle of martial art fight. It's it's great storytelling as well. You start off with um, these, a character where he's refusing to run from something you told, which is like mostly like you assume is certain death. Like you have spent the whole film building up trying to get into your brain you can't fight them you always run and then he finally stands up so that's a big moment you have a nice like cowboy western throwback with the way it's shot of them looking into each other you get then you followed by an amazing bullet time sequence um which is just 
just coming off the tails of the bullet dodging scene before. Um, amazing martial art fight choreography, mixing in with like this superhero element vibe. You know uh, how they shot that, of- right? Like with the uh, with the bullet time. Yeah, they had like it was like two hundred and seventy cameras or something, maybe more, like in a circle, and they all like took I think they were photos or video, and they just went through each one. That was before they very little CGI. I think the only thing that CGI like the bullets and the oh, like I think the background too was like green screened or some shit, right? Like it's it's incredible. Um, but also like the way how the team is like watching the fight as well really throws back to like the anime influences like Dragon Ball Z and stuff like that. And then the singular best moment of it for me is when Neo falls down, he spits up blood, you think it's over, and then he gets up, he goes in like a fighting pose and the dust comes off him. And like, oh what is he doing? He's beginning to believe and all that stuff. Like you're really like like, oh my God, this is a hero. This is such a heroic moment and such a great um like pinnacle of the hero's journey. And then also I just think the, the, how the train almost hits him and he gets out of the way and how after all that, after such an amazing scene um, to end it off, you think he's finally beat Smith He's about to leave. And Smith comes out with like a brand new body, like nothing happened. And that just really sinks in. Like it's just another way to like up the stakes. Like that scene is constantly upping the stakes in both terms of spectacle and storytelling. It is, one of the best climax fights you'll ever see in an action film. And I could talk about it for another 300 years if you let me. <laughs> you'll get your opportunity. Don't worry. We'll, we'll get there before the podcast uh, is done. <laughs> we'll have to go. We have to, in the, when we do it, we're going to have to talk about that scene shot by shot. We honestly have to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, my number two is the interrogation scene from The Dark Knight. Oh, that's oh. Why didn't I think of that? That's a good scene. That's a great scene. Yeah, I mean, look, The Dark Knight was one of my favorite movies. I mean, was my favorite movie for a very long time, man. Um, and I mean, this this scene just showcases the powerhouse that Heath Ledger is in this film. Um, it's just I've got no words for it, dude. I don't know if I'm actually prepared to talk about this movie yet. Um, it's it's an amazing manipulation scene. Like it's it's absolutely amazingly well written by the Nolans uh, and more more amazingly well acted by the actors you know you got Hans Zimmer's score as 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 everything ramps up and, but the thing I love about this scene is just how powerless Batman actually is against the Joker because on its surface I mean you know it wasn't until I watched this movie and this scene that I realized because the whole, you know, before this, I was like, oh, the Joker's just some guy to clown makeup, and, you know, Batman's got all this tech and all this stuff, like, you know, he's he's clearly more superior physically, but actually, the Joker can take anything that Batman throws at him, and the Joker will always one-up Batman when he uses his morals against him, and this is the yeah. scene that really highlighted that for me. Uh, this is when he's just, when he, when he can't, when he when he beats the Joker into submission, come to find out that the Joker doesn't have a submission. <laughs> like he can't, he will never submit. He can beat him as much as he wants, and he's just, oh, I, I can't, I can't get over the scene, dude. This is one of my favorite scenes of all time. Um, and the it's just, the I, nothing you can do to me line as well is yeah, so great. Absolutely, and, and you know this is of course like the second time he hits him, he's got that laugh, and it's just like oh mm. god. But not only that, just the way this scene kicks off, you know, you got Gary Oldman's character uh, 
you know, Commissioner Gordon is like, I'm going to go out and get a coffee. And then, boom, there he is. You know, the lights turn on and Batman's there. And it's just like, fuck. Um, you know. Yeah, it's, um, it's uh, what does he say? It's like, oh, another good cop, bad cop. Not exactly. Like, yeah. What a line. What a line. It's fantastic. And, you know, this scene, like, borders on, like, our rating territory when he just bashes his head in the glass. Oh, it's just, wow. it's fantastic. This is the most, you've, this is the most brutal you've seen Batman as well, like, in a very long time. Mm. So... Yeah, it's 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 great, man. Christopher Nolan, hats off to you, sir. If I can just add as well to that scene, it's such a fucking good scene. The uh, great pick, man. Um, the 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 sh- the reveal of Batman that's like he's right behind him. That gets me every time I watch it. Like yeah. I like I never, I don't know how they do it, but it still happens to surprise me in like my tenth, twelfth, fiftieth like watch. It still gets me every time, and that's that's saying a lot because I would say a scene that's close to being maybe as good as that is the um the the scene with um the joker when he does the the magic pencil trick right like the way the way he walks in and he intimidates all the gangsters ha, ha, i would say ha. that's Ooh, yeah. ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> i would say that's up there too cuz like i know we had sort of technically met the joker before that but like that's one of the best reveals of a character like I think I've ever seen in any movie. Oh, absolutely, ever. absolutely. That is such a great pick, man. There's a reason we haven't touched that movie yet <laughs> um, as feature presentation, <laughs> man. Like you know, we're just we're just not confident enough yet to go anywhere near that movie. You know, if you couldn't hear that <laughs> hear that in my voice as I flailed around trying to explain that scene, then you 100 percent know we're not we're not confident in covering that movie yet. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Let me guess your number one, right? You gotta you give won't me get it. You give you gotta give me one hint. It's another animated film. Oh, fuck. Is it a yeah, Pixar? My- yeah, and it's by far my favorite scene of all time. Okay, is it Toy Story 3? Nope. Okay, I'll Not never from get the it. Toy Story I'll, franchise. I'll, I'll never get it then. Hit me. It is the montage from Up. Uh, nice. Um, Good pull. Makes me cry every time I see it. Still, I cry watching it. It um, speaks to me on a personal level. It just shows me like... Makes me think a bit about my grand my, my grandparents as well, just to be honest with you. And it's just um like the way that you see this couple who meet each other, they fall in love, they grow old together, and she like passes away and he's still like there. And with all the in the way the music just entwines and other it is some of the most beautiful like piece of cinema I've ever seen. I often say up is my favorite movie of all time, next to the Matrix. Um, but when I'm saying that, I'm kind of lying because I just mean that scene. <laughs> like I, I, I love the movie Up, but I don't love it anywhere as much as I love like everything else in that movie. I don't love it anywhere near as much as I love that fucking montage. It is amazing. It's a masterpiece. That. Yeah. No. Absolutely. That's the that's the only scene I remember from that movie. <laughs> like that might be one of my least watched Pixar movies, but I absolutely remember that scene for sure. That, that's how good it is, man. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. That's a good pick for number one, dude. I love it. Uh, you got to... What's your number one? You got to guess? Is it from Sicario? It is from Sicario. I oh, my so Sicario, So, yeah. You haven't seen Sicario. <laughs> dude... I think I've, I've seen parts of it, but I haven't seen the whole movie. Okay. There is a scene in Sicario that... Oh, wait. Can I guess? I think I know it. Yeah. It might be the one scene I do remember. Um, is it the scene where, uh, I'm going to fuck this up, but I think there's like some, 
there's like a traffic jam. Yeah, the car's a bumper to bumper. That's the one. And then wait, let me try and remember it. And like, then you can correct. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to listen to you butcher this. (laughs) Okay. okay. So this is the border crossing scene. Um, (laughs) To set things up for you, uh, the FBI, uh, together with a couple of members of this, well, actually. Um, together with the federales, um, they're going to go to Mexico, south of the border, to pick up a prisoner and bring him back to the United States. They go into Mexico, um, and you know they pick him up, and the whole time, the whole time that you know they they they've got their heads on a swivel, they've got their guns up, they're very alert because they they feel that they might get ambushed while they're here in Mexico, um, and you know you got Josh Brolin's character telling Kate, uh, played by Emily Blunt. Um, and he's just like, you know, don't worry if they try anything, it'll be at the border. So they get to the border crossing. So from the, from Mexico to the United States, they get into a traffic jam and it's just, it's, it's totally quiet. Um, (laughs) the tension here, dude, I I can't even begin to explain to you the tension. I'm, my palms are sweating, just telling the story, (laughs) but the way, the way Denis Villeneuve shoots this, the, the time he takes, um, you know the the look in everyone's eyes. The way they actually handle their weaponry is a hundred percent accurate. They actually show this scene to military personnel, um, in like in training. Uh, this is this is one of the most realistic kind of like firefights in movie history. Like the way they move, the way they you know the the way they fan out along the highway here. It's um it's just it's just breathtaking, and it's it's just a scene that will honestly stick with me when I'm fucking dead in the ground, dude. It is, it is a masterclass in filmmaking and tension building. I've never seen anything like it. But yeah, that's my that's my favorite scene of all time, dude. The border crossing scene. Sometimes I'll just honestly just hit it up on YouTube. Like I'm just like I need to see this scene yeah. again. You know? Yeah. I'm first of all great pick. I do remember that scene. Um, I think I've just seen that scene. I don't know if I've seen the movie, but I know I've seen the scene, and I know exactly what you mean about tension. I d- I just want to give ourselves a pat in the back and just say um how surprised I am that neither of us picked anything from Marvel. Or Star Wars. Um, yeah. Like, like obviously, the one that comes to a lot of people's mind is Luke, I am your father. That is an incredible scene. Um, but Marvel have had so many great moments. Like, yeah. we've just had Endgame, but, like, I would think of, like, things like, like, fucking I am Iron Man and shit like that. Yeah. Let's, like, That's what- a franchise that knows how to reward its viewers, you know? Yeah, absolutely. While you're at it, let's go through the, the, the poll... Um, the poll options because I did put up a poll and I put in a I put in a few kind of like popular scenes that might, maybe people might have chosen. So here's the ones that didn't get a vote and didn't were like were not in the running actually. So the boulder scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is the opening scene, uh, pretty iconic. Amazing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, here's Johnny right from The Shining, iconic as fuck. <laughs> right of the Valkyries, uh, probably the most iconic scene from Apocalypse Now. The Bill Clay scene from Die Hard, absolutely incredible scene. Uh, Ezekiel twenty five seventeen mm. <laughs> from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> I am Iron Man from Avengers Endgame, of course. On your left from Avengers Endgame, of course. Mm. I am Iron Man from Iron Man. <laughs> uh, then you got the rain soaked escape uh, from the Shawshank Redemption. Uh, you shall not pass from Fellowship of the Ring. The bullet time Ooh. on the rooftop, which is different to your pick, Matt. On the on the matrix uh, from the matrix, which uh, would be a more popular pick? Yeah, like, I went fair. for the more popular yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you got the horsehead scene from the Godfather, pretty iconic. The opening scene from Inglorious Bastards, man, this was my like number four pick. If, mm. if I, you know, I was to extend my list, 
the chestburster scene from Alien, also up yep. there, way up there. The USS Indianapolis scene from Jaws, also way up there for me, dude. The way he, uh, he, he tells his story is just absolutely heartbreaking and just so memorable. The iconic shower-stabbing scene from Psycho, super iconic. Uh, oh, yeah. And then we get to the scenes that actually got a vote and were in the running. Tied for third place. We have a few movies that were tied for third place. Stopping the Train in Spider-Man 2. That was added by Carlos. Thank you for thank you for voting, Carlos. Dude, that is iconic as fuck. It is. Probably the best 100%. scene in the in that trilogy, right? Uh yeah. Yeah, yeah, prob- yeah, actually no. What am I saying? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Uh Patrick Harrington, of course, added a Red Dawn scene, Jed and Matt's last stand. <laughs> Sorry, Patrick, I still have not seen Red Dawn. I know. Kill me, right? <laughs> the helicopter rescue from Superman the movie, added by Jose Rivera. Thanks, Jose, for voting, right? That's pretty awesome. That is a classic scene. That's a classic scene. Yeah. Hell is coming to breakfast uh, from outlaw Josie Wales. Uh, this was uh, added by Daniel Falch. Sorry, Daniel. I don't think anyone's heard of this movie. Have you heard of this movie? I'm sorry, Daniel. I'm sorry. I don't think so. I love you, Daniel, but damn. <laughs> uh, we got the tears in the rain sequence from Blade Runner, right? Rutger Hauer's uh, famous speech. That got one vote. The Copacabana from Goodfellas, pretty iconic. The coin toss in the gas station from No Country for Old Men. And mm. the I Am Your Father sequence from the scene from The Empire Strikes Back. Iconic as fuck. Wait, and that's just, is that just third place? That's third place. Fucking hell. I know. <laughs> Tied for second place, Boromir's death from Fellowship of the Ring. I, uh, you know what? I fucking agree, man. That scene is absolutely heartbreaking and just epic in all in all the right ways, man. It's so What scene's that? So it's the scene do you remember when they're in the forest, kinda like towards the end of the film, uh, and the Urukai are chasing them, and you got Sean Bean's character who at this point at this point he's kinda gone a bit mad. He's trying to go after the ring. Do you remember this? He gets hit with the arrows. Uh, oh wow, it's been so long since I've seen it. Yeah. I remember that now. Yeah, so that, good. Uh, actually, that is a good scene. Yeah, so good. And here's one that I that absolutely cracks my top ten: the Normandy landing sequence and Saving Private Ryan. This is like this of is course, huge. Right? Hey, huge. Of course, like of course. it's a no brainer. Of course, it's a no. It's a no brainer. It's Steven Spielberg at his greatest. It's just absolutely epic. Uh, and I think you know the what what escaped ran away with the votes. By far, number one is the T-Rex escape from Jurassic Park, right? Goddamn. Yeah. How can you go wrong? How can you go wrong? Well, I thought Pulp Fiction would get more love, honestly. I thought Pulp Fiction would be up there too. I was actually surprised that Endgame's I Am Iron Man didn't get any, uh, didn't get any votes as well. But Were there any more um, scenes that came to mind that you you were tempted to throw in there or tempted to mention? Yeah, uh, I mean, look, there's a few, right? I mean, <laughs> Back to the Future, where we're going, we don't need roads. You know, like that's yeah. a that's a massive one. Uh, Terminator 2, right? Take your pick. Probably the truck chase for me in the canals. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, like, there's a few from Terminator 2 you mm, can pick. Yeah, yeah, probably, for me, it's probably the truck chase. Um, yeah, <sighs> like... For, what else? For, for me, like a few more come to mind. Um, uh, th- this is a cheesy as fuck one, but Free Willy when he jumps over the yeah, of the course, thing. yeah. Um, that's to me like that was a that was big. Um, Eight Mile. Um, when uh B Rabbit um throws the mic at um Papa Doc and just says like 
tell these people something they don't know about me. And then the guy just chokes. Like, that was, like, epic. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and then, uh, oh, the, op- the the first phone call in Scream 1 with nice. Drew Barrymore. That's a good pull. Um, like, that was almost my number three, just because it's so iconic. And what's even crazier is, like, she dies in the opening scene, and they went so hard to convince people, like, in the trailers, promotion, everything. Like, people thought she was going to be the main character, and she dies, like, 15 minutes into the movie. Absolutely. Um, in such an amazing, iconic scene, too, like. Fuck. Yeah, I uh, um, I'm sure there's more I can think of. Oh as no, well. dude, I I can I, I can keep going. <laughs> like I mean, Deathly Hallows Part Two, where Harry kills Voldemort. I mean, come on. Um, Gladiator, St- are you are you not entertained? You know, like it's. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, we could we could go on forever, man. But I mean, like this this was intentionally a, a tough one that I like that I mm. that I chose. I I was like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna make people like wriggle in their seats a little bit and make a definitive decision. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, yeah, that about does it, right? That's a that's a that was fun, man. Yeah, that when, was really fun. When you close us out, Matt. All right. Well, we hope you guys had as much fun as we did. Uh, but that's it for us today on Midnight Double Feature. Um, it's been an upcoming attraction upcoming attractions episode where we talk about movie news reviews and we just hang out with you guys and talk about the mdf game and what our question of the week is if you want to take part of that make sure you join the after party what's the after party matt i'm glad you asked invisible person the after (laughs) party is a facebook community group that you should join um just type in the after party minute double feature on facebook and you can find us and be our bff you can also like us on facebook um follow us on instagram twitter uh make sure you subscribe to us with your podcast app uh whether it be on itunes or spotify whatever it may be um we are not on tiktok uh, <laughs> um and then make sure you know if you ever want to email us we will um, never be on double tiktok fe- yeah <laughs> but uh i think our email i think it's midnight double feature at gmail.com uh if you want to send us an email or just talk to us in the after party or send us a message on facebook um but i think that's it for today um that is it coming for today. up next yeah, coming up next um, for the next, uh, upco- uh, sorry, not upcoming attractions, a feature presentation where we pick a movie and dissect it scene by scene and talk about it a nice long episode. We are going to cover Upgrade, um, which is a fucking awesome movie. So, wait, is that right? Is, it up- is Upgrade next? It is Upgrade, I- yeah. Um, yeah. Directed by Lee Wanell. Um, if you're into Robocop, if you're into uh, action B movies with a lower budget that are actually pretty damn fucking clever, uh, be sure to tune into that. Highly recommend it. I love that movie. And you're on that Anyways, episode. I am. I am. A very Not very often you'll hear me on a feature presentation, so enjoy it while you get it. <laughs> enjoy it, bitch! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, are you enjoying it? Nah. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, that's it for us today. Uh, I'm Matt and that's Zoheb and we'll see you later.